I'm going to speak about the Holy Spirit and what does he do in about 20 minutes. You can pray for me if you want me to do <laughs> 20 minutes where we talk about who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do. It's quite a big, it's a, quite a big task because of who we're talking about. So I just hope that I can get across something really that captures hold of who the Holy Spirit is. Um, I don't know about you guys, um, totally different, slightly different tangent. I love living by the sea. I love the town where I live. I'm glad God has brought me and my family and my beautiful wife, Roz, um, to, back to Hastings, and we love it. We love being by the sea. I'm rubbish on the sea at kayaking and that kind of stuff. Normally, I fall off, get soaking wet like a wet sponge. I kind of like get, come out of the beach like dripping wet and, and that kind of thing. But we just love being by the sea. And for me, the sea and water is really important. But for all of us, water is really important. Okay? This is Paul's science lesson for the next two minutes. Did you know that 3.5% of the Earth's water is fresh? Only 3.5%. Okay? 68% of that is locked up in ice, and 30% of that is found in the ground. All at the same time, a newborn baby is made up of 78% water. I can vouch for that for when my son was about six months old. There was just lots of water everywhere. And adults are 60% water. You're made up of 60% water. In fact, your body probably can't function. It can't function without it. Okay, your blood, your waist, your body temperature. Did you know that water is a shock absorber for your brain and for your spinal cord? We are hugely dependent on water. And that's probably why the idea of thirst... Thirst is so important to us. When something so vital to your system, of, like water, is lacking, it results in your system being in need. This means that thirst is actually a mechanism which is essential in your fluid balance. It's your body telling you that something needs addressing, something's missing, something needs fulfilling. And I wonder if it's the same spiritually. Does spiritual thirst actually exist? And if it does, what are the signs that spiritual thirst is something that's actually really, really real? I wonder if things like handling loss, how you handle loss when loss comes your way, relationship difficulties, losing confidence, things like, why am I here? Not necessarily in this building, but why, why am I here on the planet? What's life about? Are these signs of spiritual thirst? Actually, I've got to be honest, I really think they are, because I think spiritual thirst looks really raw and real and every day. I don't think it's some ethereal kind of thing out there. I honestly think that spiritual thirst is a lot of the things that we probably experience, and I just kind of wonder if we don't recognize that that means we're spiritually thirsty or not. So I wonder if you've ever considered what spiritually thirsty looks like, Christians and not Christians. I wonder if you're thirsty and you don't recognize it. Honestly, coming out of a pandemic, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? Is some of how you're feeling thirsty for something? Thirsty for something bigger than what you can sort out yourself. I wonder if that's spiritual thirst. 
Jesus had a huge amount to say about being spiritually thirsty, something which has existed for thousands of years. If you're spiritually thirsty and you can kind of recognize you are and you're freaking out, thinking, ah, am I the only one? Genuinely, most people, I think, are probably spiritually thirsty. And this has been going on for thousands and thousands of years. So it's not strange to be spiritually thirsty. And I think most people at different stages of life and different situations probably are. The question is, where do you go with your thirst? What do you do with it? How do you handle this stuff? So we're going to take a look at what Jesus said. Okay, I think I've mentioned it already. We're going to take a look at what Jesus said. And this is also an introduction to the theme for the next few weeks about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to join Jesus' life story. Okay, if you've got a Bible, don't bother turning to it. Okay, you can turn to it later. But look at John chapter 7 a bit later. John chapter 7, and I'm going to set the scene. And we're going to go from John chapter 7 and just move on forward to see actually what was he saying. By this time in his life then, Jesus, he had everyone talking about him, where he was. Was he a good man? Was he not a good man? Should we follow his teachings? Is he really dodgy? We're going to praise him. We're going to kill him. Divided opinion and people all in the middle about who is Jesus and what is he saying. In John 7, we join Jesus at one of the most popular festivals in the Jewish calendar called the Feast of Tabernacles. This was a seven-day joy-filled festival. And I am talking joy-filled. This was celebration. This is where people from all over would gather in Jerusalem and remember God's deliverance, God's protection, God's provision, God's faithfulness during Israel's 40-year period in the wilderness. This was no small matter. This was a big, big festival. It was also a time to give thanks and celebrate the end of the agricultural year. So to give thanks for all God's provision in the growing of the crops, in food and rain and water. To celebrate that. But it was also the moment where they would pray and ask God to provide for heavenly water to supply them for the following year. Rain. God send rain. In the climate, they didn't have little taps that they turned on with a hose pipe. They needed rain. And they needed it in a dry land. So at this feast, each day, the priests in the temple would draw water from somewhere called the Pool of Siloam, which was a flowing, fresh water pool. And they would pour it out near the altar. Not only would this be a prayer for rain, okay, but it was also a looking forward to the day when they poured out this water that God would come through on his promise said by Joel. The prophet Joel in the Old Testament. This is what they were looking forward to. I will pour out my spirit on all people. I will pour out my spirit on all people. This was a time the people of God were looking to be fulfilled. A time that they were looking forward to. I think they were thirsty as a people. They've been celebrating this for a very long time. In this context, I love this. Seriously, Jesus stands up. These are his words. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. 
On the last day of this feast, Jesus stands up. Imagine the water's been poured. All the significance, Jesus says, anyone thirsty, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within. And by this he meant the Holy Spirit, which would be received by those who believed in him once he had died, been buried, and rose again. Jesus is standing up at the climax of this festival, its greatest point. He speaks aloud and explains that the promised pouring out of the Holy Spirit is going to happen, but only through him. Only through him. He is calling the spiritually thirsty to himself, and he will pour out his spirit within you. Within you. If you're looking online, within you. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? What does this all look like today and now in reality? We have limited time, so I'm literally going to open it up a bit now, but over the next few weeks, we're going to carry on looking at it. Are you ready? Okay. This is going to feel like a bit of a sprint, but I pray that God grabs you on some of it. Who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? First off, the Holy Spirit is God. 100% God. He is a person. The Holy Spirit is not some kind of weird ghost or some kind of scientific element. He's not an emotional response, nor is he just a state of mind. He is in perfect union and relationship with God the Father and God the Son, Jesus. Get your head around that. He will not possess you like something from some sort of weird film. He's not going to do that. He's not going to possess you like some sort of thing, weird thing from a film, and neither will he make you do stuff that you don't want to do. The Holy Spirit is loving and kind and gentle. You will find him involved in creation, Alan. You will find him involved at the setting out of the stars, the rings around Saturn, the moons of Jupiter, the water on the blue planet. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. He was involved in creation of the stars and the planets and all of life, including you. You'll find him as the one involved in upholding all of science, all of the stuff we know about and the stuff we know nothing about. He knows it. He gives life to the whole realm of nature, to every living creature. In the Bible, he's the one in the Old Testament who empowers specific people at specific points in history for specific tasks, including leadership, including creativity, including the prophetic. He is the one who guides God's people and reveals God's plans and his purposes. And then stop. There's more to it, but then stop. For a moment and remember. The Holy Spirit is the one who visited Mary and created a new life within her, later to be born Jesus Christ. For nothing, he brought life in the womb of Mary, later to be the saviour of the world. The baby who the Holy Spirit also rested upon later in life and equipped him for the life he was called to lead. Jesus, who brought teaching about the Holy Spirit, 
about bringing new spiritual life within, explaining how we are born again, not emotional response, not a mental response, of bringing alive spiritually, a reality of being brought alive spiritually from before when you were dead. Jesus, who died and was buried, get this, and was later risen back to life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the one who has promised that all who come to him spiritually thirsty and believe in him can now experience the life-giving flow, power, and work of the Holy Spirit today, here, now. The Holy Spirit, the one who comes alongside in a personal way, almost as if it's Jesus walking with us himself, bringing us his teachings and his words. The Holy Spirit who gives evidence of God's presence and brings glory to Jesus. I know I'm going on, I don't care. The Holy Spirit, the one who brings conviction of sin, the Holy Spirit who softens hearts, the Holy Spirit who turns hearts of stone towards God into hearts of flesh, the Holy Spirit, the one who brings us into his presence and a sense of peace, hope, love, direction, confidence. The Holy Spirit, the one when we have accepted Jesus, will bear witness within our very being, telling us that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit who changes us from the inside out so that we become all God designed us to be. And like a vine which produces wonderful fruit, he produces in us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. The Holy Spirit who brings gifts to the church for growth and empowerment so that the world we live in can be changed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit who fell on a group of Jesus' followers on the day of Pentecost and empowered them to go and they changed the world forevermore. There's a lot more to say. In a nutshell, in the words of the theologian Wayne Grudem, the work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world. The active, not dead, active presence of the living God in the world. This is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the member of the Trinity who the Bible most often represents as being present to do God's work here. On the planet where you walk. On the planet where you wake up each morning and you go to bed each night. The Holy Spirit is sustaining and working and moving and bringing revelation. Bringing fruit to our lives, doing so much. The one who brought the same star, the one who brought the stars into being, is the one who grows in you wonderful things like joy and peace and patience. The one who is present at the start of time is the one who is present now to come alongside you. Where you're at now, to bring the words of Jesus alive to you and to bring life within you, to bring living spiritual water where you are thirsty. So my question is, are you thirsty? Are you spiritually thirsty? Around 25 years ago, okay, 
For me, I was spiritually thirsty. For me, this looked like searching for meaning and hope. I had questions about my future. I carried feelings and emotions that I had no idea what to do with. I was properly lost and just a bit weirded out. I have different issues around health, lots of different things going on. And as I look back now, this is genuine, as I look back now, it was almost like my life had depth, but it had nothing in that depth. It was like a huge, great well that was deep, but it was just empty. All the stuff that I filled with it just wasn't working out. And I was like, what on earth is going on? And I've reached a point where I didn't know what to do with life anymore. To be honest, I was searching for things of a deeper meaning. I honestly think, at the time I didn't realize I was thirsty, but in retrospect, I was thirsty because I was looking for something bigger than myself. I tried myself, but I was thirsty because I was looking for something bigger than myself. To cut my story short, very short, I went along to my parents' church one Saturday night, Gray's Pentecostal Church, an AOG church, just a small place, brilliant place. On a Saturday night where I heard some bloke, this guy, weren't some bloke, this guy, his testimony, and to be honest, there was nothing special in his words, but there was something incredibly special about his experience. I heard the message that Jesus brings forgiveness, which opened up a way for a relationship with God. And this was something I was made for. I'd never heard that before, that I was made for a relationship with God. And because I weren't in this relationship, something's not right. Something's missing. I heard the message that Jesus brings forgiveness, which opened a way for a relationship with God, which is something I was made for, and when you find that, new spiritual life begins. So after the meeting, I went and found the bloke, and I had a right good chat to him. A right good chat. And he prayed with me. And with tears running down my face, I accepted Jesus for myself. And honestly, deep within, something new started. Something was birthed. Something new started. I felt a newness as if that empty well that I talked about a minute ago was filled with the stuff it was supposed to be filled with for the very first time. From there on, the world looked and felt really different. I don't want to get too cheesy, but genuinely, nature became alive because I knew the one who created it. People became more important because I had this love for people. It wasn't like a new start. It was a new start. It wasn't like a new start. It was a new start. Earlier in Jesus' life, give me five more minutes, earlier in Jesus' life, before he gets to the feast, Jesus talks to someone called Nicodemus in John 3, and he basically says, you will never meet God unless you are born again. You will never meet God unless you are born again. This isn't a second birth, some physical thing. It's a spiritual coming alive inside and something you will only find in Jesus Christ. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He brings you spiritually alive for the first time and the reality is, is that you begin to see things in a different way. You won't remember when you were born, okay? Just imagine when you were born. Imagine starting a whole new life. Imagine having a clean slate. Imagine, think of passing into a whole new realm. Imagine, think of becoming a child. 
This is what it's like being born again. Imagine starting a whole new life at the age of 21. Imagine having your slate clean. Imagine the passing into a whole new realm. Think about becoming a child of God. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Jesus' words at the Feast of Tabernacles are my testimony. I came to Jesus and he quenched my thirst. The old, dead, spiritually Paul has come alive spiritually. The spirit within me testifies that I am now a child of God. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. The thing is, I found now that I'm thirsty, but because I've tasted and seen that he's good, I'm thirsty for him now and not for anything else. Two more minutes? Because my story doesn't end there. For me, a few weeks after I became a Christian, I heard about the Holy Spirit filling people. As you read in the book of Acts, which is another promise of Jesus concerning the Holy Spirit. This was at a youth camp. Someone preached about the Holy Spirit. I was like, right, okay, I'm going to go and have a chat with this bloke. So I went and found him, and I had a proper good chat with him. And he talked it through, and he prayed with me. And in that moment when he prayed with me, nothing happened. Brilliant. Thanks for that. Two weeks later, you won't want to know this, but in the bath, I remembered that prayer and I was like, I remember that guy praying for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit. While I was on my own, I prayed, Holy Spirit, if you're real and all this stuff's genuine, bring it on. That's my Essex one, I'm sorry. Come and fill me. I don't mean that irreverently. Come and fill me. About an hour later, I started praying in tongues and I felt a new energy. I felt a newness to understand and get to know the words of Jesus more. As time went on, a new depth of worship that I hadn't had before the filling of the Holy Spirit. I felt a new empowering to go and just give my life to Jesus and go anywhere that he wanted me to go. The baptism and the filling of the Holy Spirit changed my walk with Jesus totally. Totally. To this day, I'm still asking the Holy Spirit to fill me and to teach me and to guide me. I ask the Holy Spirit to come and engage with me in worship because ultimately the Holy Spirit wants to bring glory to Jesus each day. And it doesn't just look like Sundays in church and in meetings. I'm talking the everyday, when I'm talking to someone that knows nothing about Jesus, and I pray, Holy Spirit, what do you want to bring in this moment? Holy Spirit, the the gifts that we talk about, and the overflow of the gospel to tell people about Jesus. It doesn't just happen in church. It's outside of church as well. You see, the Holy Spirit's personal. He lives within And remember that well I said about in my testimony a little while ago. For me, I found the one who was supposed to fill the well. I was thirsty. I came to Jesus and he changed my life and he poured out the Holy Spirit within. Jesus' words one more time before we round up. These are an invite and the question is, what do you want to do to respond? Okay? Okay. 
Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them, and by this he meant the Holy Spirit who would be received by those who later on, Jesus would die, be buried, and rise again. So if you're not a Christian, okay, forgive my bluntness if you're watching online or in your building. If you're not a Christian, please consider the whole idea of being spiritually thirsty. And what does that look like? And are you spiritually thirsty? Talk to someone about it. Talk to one of us about it, if you like. Thirst comes from when there's something missing. And the reality of spiritual thirst means that maybe within you, something needs fulfilling in the same way as a physical thirst. You need to be met spiritually if you're spiritually thirsty. Jesus invites you to himself for that thirst to be quenched. So the question is, bluntly, what will you do with it? What will you do with the offer that Jesus puts to you? Come to me. If you're a Christian, and I ask you genuinely, are you thirsty? I wonder what your answer would be. It is what it is, to be honest. But you're thirsty for more because you've tasted and seen that God is good. Let me ask you a question. If you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, what changed for you? And maybe over the next week, focus on that question. What changed for me when I was filled with the Holy Spirit? Let that kind of question brew around. Let it kind of stir up some hunger again. Let it stir up some thirst. Pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to make you thirsty. We sung it a minute ago. This is what this means. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus more to you. Take time to think about the Holy Spirit, how he brought you alive, how he brought the words of Jesus alive and worship and prayer and the gifts and just his presence at times just being enough, which he is. Maybe consider that this coming week. I'm going to pray. Let's stand. I don't know where we're going to go. It's 11 o'clock. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to hand over to Paul, and then I'm going to head off. Jesus, we thank you for the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that only through you can we experience spiritual life. We thank you that the thirsty can come to you and have their thirst quenched. Jesus, I pray for those that don't know you, who are spiritually thirsty. Jesus, I pray that you would stir something within and that you would meet people who are thirsty. Help them discover answers to questions, I pray, and lead them to you. And I pray for those people that do know you, those of us here. Holy Spirit, would you come even now and begin to stir up a thirst and a hunger even more? Holy Spirit, I pray that as we come to you thirsty, that you will continue to pour out your spirit in a fresh, real, life-giving, flowing why? Off of the back of COVID, I pray for joy. I pray for restoration. I pray for guidance. I pray for hope. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will do all 
that you can do within the life of your people. And I just ask that over the next few weeks, we would experience and know you more and more. Holy Spirit, come and fill us again, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.